0: Welcome to episode 101 of the False Neutral Podcast, the May 2020 episode. I'm Pete. I'm here with Eric and Garrett. Hi guys. Hey, how's it going? Yeah,
1: it's uh well, it's it's finally not snowing in Michigan.
2: <laughs> yeah, I can't believe that it was snowing last week.
1: Yeah, right so there. as as we as we record this, it's May the 15th and last Friday. I posted on my my personal Instagram account, you know, a video of it snowing outside.
2: (laughs) So if this isn't a clear sign that the apocalypse is here, like (laughs) snowing in May, coronavirus everywhere. I mean, I don't know what. Yeah,
1: I mean, I always joke that it always snows in April in in michigan right i mean that's like it's not that big of a deal may on the other hand you know yeah. usually the last week of april first week of may is when the trees bloom and like you go from like no leaves in the trees to oh finally nice yeah. and so they were just starting to come out on uh and um yeah and it starts snowing and thankfully it didn't kill off anything but uh
2: yeah eh, we'll see well it's weird to see uh snow accumulating on like cherry blossom trees you know <laughs> yeah. it's like yeah That just shouldn't
1: happen.
2: (laughs) No, no, it shouldn't. So, yeah. So,
1: yeah, it's today is like one of the first like two weeks ago. I think we had like a really nice weekend and then it's been brutal, brutal, relatively speaking uh, since. But today is like, oh, you know, in the 60s. And it's like the first time it's it's been that warm in a long time. Yeah. Why? Anyways. Pete, how are things with you?
0: Uh good. I was just telling you guys before we started recording that this is my last day uh working from home. I've been uh sequestered at home, uh working from my home office for the past 8 weeks and Monday I'm back at the office. So Yeah. It's been nice cuz it's given me about an extra hour to 90 minutes a day to work on the mics and uh when we get into our workshop update, uh I've actually managed to do more than I usually do. Over the last month. So uh, that's been good. Mm-hmm.
2: Good. So my wife and I are. Having a house built. It'll be done in November. We like just a few weeks ago. Signed the papers on it. And so our current house. We're going to rent out. So I've been trying to finish all the undone. Things around the house. And so I haven't really been able to get. As much done on projects. uh Motorcycle projects as I normally would. But. Um here pretty soon. I'll be wrapped up with all of my house projects and um be able to really get cracking on it. Although I have made some progress on some so, of my stuff. So.
1: so does this new house also come with a, an exterior or with a, with a separate uh, shop building?
2: I wish. No, <laughs> this is going to be just your standard subdivision size lot. Although we do have a nice <laughs> nine acre green space that our backyard butts up to. Um but Unfortunately, I can't build a shop on that green space. So, <laughs> so what <laughs> no, will you do um, for shop space? Well, I'll still have my shop and on my, um, my mom's property, she's got like a decent sized property. I'm going to build another shop on her property. It's going to be a two story shop because I want to have like a kind of like some living space up above that I can rent to a friend. Um, and then have like actual shop space below it. So um, I'll probably do that sometime early next year. So I'll still have my workshop space. Yeah, I see, cause you got a lot of stuff. I do. Yeah. And more and more all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to go rent myself. like a,
1: a 20 by 20 or a, a 10 or whatever, like a whatever self storage place and throw it all in event for a while.
2: Uh, no, luckily I've got place a place to keep it all, so I'll be all right. That's so, good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and speaking, I suppose I could just jump right into it. I yeah, I was going to say, let's... <clears throat> I don't remember if I, so my, my FC1 had a misfire issue. Did I talk about that on the last podcast?
1: I don't believe so. No, I yeah, don't think I so. think...
2: You know, I got my wheels powder coat. I got my tires put on it and took it for a test ride. And I, I hadn't ridden my FC1 for quite a few months. It was my first ride out of, you know, winter storage. Wait, basically. is this going
1: to be a BVG story?
2: A BVG? What's that? Baron von
1: Grumble? Oh. You know, when they went down to, to... No, yeah.
2: No, seriously. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, exactly the same issue. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It, is um, It I'm was 44th. your cam chain? Well, no, 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 no. no. So on forty-four teeth, when they did their um their late their last uh thing, uh, the R one, yeah, the track day in uh, in Spain, yeah, and the R one had started a misfire issue. Well, I sh- I kid you not, my my FC one had the same exact issue at the same exact time. I watched that show; it was like the same day. I'm like, what? This this cannot be. <laughs> like what a coincidence yeah it didn't like my first ride on the FC1 i took it out and um it ran great for about 10 minutes and then it just started misfiring and it sounded like a V twin sounded kind of cool but it didn't run very well at all so um it was speaking potato yeah seriously <laughs> it just started running like garbage and um my friend is keeping his FZ1 at my shop. So, um, you know, I assumed that it was coils. So I used my little infrared heat gun and, um, kind of figured out which cylinder was cooler than the other. And I just swapped out a coil and it was better, but it was still having a misfire. And so it must have been at least on two cylinders. So I ended up just buying a set of used R1 coils that were, you know, good quote unquote and a set of spark plugs. And, uh, that did cure it. So it is running like it's supposed to. Um, coils for these, uh, these engines are from the factory at $150 a piece. So I really didn't want to buy four new coils. And I figured a set of used coils was like 65 bucks or 70 bucks or something like that. I figured I might as well give it a shot, you know, because I, I, at least two of my coils were good and I figured. You know, if I got a set of four used ones, if if at least two of those are good, I can make it all work. So I ended up just swapping out all of the uh, my original ones for the used ones, um, and it works just like it's supposed to. Smart plugs also are very expensive; they're like fourteen bucks a piece. Wow! Yeah, so
1: is this? It's like is this where you go to the junkyard and find some? You know, like truck LS motor and just rip the I coils know, off of that, right? individual coils yeah. off of that and use that for Seriously. 10 bucks or something.
2: Right. I mean, I can't imagine why a coil would be $150. That's, like, unreasonably expensive. Especially for a Yamaha. It's not like it's Italian or something like that. Yeah. Like it they doesn't use have that, that, that Italian markup.
1: Yeah, it's like if they'd use that same coil on absolutely everything that yes. they would build, you know? Yes. I mean, that's the exactly. great thing about Yamahas. It's like, all the parts, it's like Legos right. almost. You're know, like I a know. Subaru. All the parts interchange.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I kid you not, my Yamaha TX-750 uses the same clutch as a Yamaha R1. My old 72 <laughs> TX-750 that I had, yep. same clutch, same part number. Yeah. So, just speaking of Yamaha. Um, I've got some more progress done on my Z50. Uh I had this issue with the rear hub. So I got new wheel bearings and the wheel bearings fit just like they're supposed to. And it came with new seals. The front seal worked like it was supposed to. The rear seal was too big. I'm like, well, that's kind of weird, but it was just like an aftermarket wheel bearing kit. And I figured it must've just had the wrong seal. So I ordered a factory Honda, uh, seal for the rear hub. And it was also too big. um, same size as the one that came in my aftermarket kit, too big. Uh, and I, so I, I was like, I don't know, maybe I have like an, uh, a Chinese rear hub or something. Um, but I did some digging and it turns out that there are two different hubs for the same year. Um, and the only real difference is that, uh, seal size. So I figured out I had the other size, which apparently is way less common. Um, but it took like, you know, weeks of, when you figure out you have the wrong seal and then you order another one and then uh, Mm -hmm. a week goes by and you figure out it's not the right one. So then you have to do a bunch of research, order another one, a week goes by. So long story short, I got the seal that I need, which is the only thing that I needed to like put the whole rear end together was just that seal. So I got that in the mail yesterday. I finished all of the last bits of, Powder coating and everything else, and um, you'll see in one of the pictures that I uploaded, and we can put it on Universe uh, wherever. There's like a pile of uh, new parts, Hot factory Honda parts, and everything. So I have, you know, everything that I need to put the rest of the fifty together, um, except for a. Uh, so the the original handlebars mount to a stamped steel. Um, kind of top plate that goes onto the forks and they're not available from Honda anymore and nobody is reproducing them. And I found one in Australia and ordered it, but it's like hung up in shipping because of like delays because of coronavirus and international shipping. So I'm waiting for that handlebar mount to come. I had an aftermarket. Like billet one that I had powder coated white that was going to match everything, but, um, it moved the handlebars forward an inch. And there's a couple other things that I just wasn't really liking about it. So I kind of just abandoned using the aftermarket one. And now I have to wait till the OEM one gets here. Uh, which I just got a message from the seller and it looks like it could be a while. So I'm not really <laughs> sure what I'm going to do about that. Uh, I keep. Uh, Looking out, there was one on eBay, a used one, but it had some holes drilled through it for some odd reason um, that weren't supposed to be there. And I was thinking maybe I should have just bought it just so I could put it all together and I could swap it out later, even if it wasn't the one that I wanted. But
1: can can you just buy that and just use it to fab your own at that point?
2: Yeah, I'm actually getting to that point where. I have a quarter inch, you know, piece of aluminum that I could just mill out and I could make it just like the original. And so I, I'm pretty close to just going down that route, but I haven't committed to it yet, but it is very close to being done. Um, and I, while I was buying Honda 50 parts, I ended up ordering a headlight bucket for, I have this 1970 Honda Trail 70 in sapphire blue. Um, and it's one of my, you know, future restoration candidates. I, when I was buying Honda Z50 parts, I ended up just ordering a new headlight bucket in sapphire blue because I wanted to see if I could get a powder coat color that would match um, a headlight bucket uh, so I didn't have to like do a candy paint job on the frame. And so the other day I sprayed a bunch of different candy blues over a variety of different silver bases and I got a combination that matches really, really well. So I think I'm going to take my Trail 70 all apart and have the metal parts sandblasted and at least just powder coat it so it's all blue. And I'll probably send all of the hardware out to get replated and You know, the thing about these Hondas is they're so simple and you can like rebuild them so easily and cheaply that I think I'll probably end up restoring this Trail 70 over the next couple few months.
1: Uh, Do Trail 70 still go for like stupid money? I I remember like 15 years ago, they were like, they were like nothing, nothing. And then all of a sudden they went from like, you know, I'm not saying you couldn't give them away, but they were a few hundred bucks. And all of a sudden people were asking like fifteen hundred and two
2: thousand dollars for nice. Yeah, ones. there's been quite, there's been several that sold lately on Bring a Trailer. A couple of them went for right around seven grand. And then Jesus. Um, like. You know, just like a, a kind of a rider quality one. Those ones are still selling for like forty five hundred to <sighs> fifty five hundred. And a restored one is about seven thousand. Wow, it's actually like kind of crazy. I you know I they mean, say
0: it's always what you had when you were a kid. That's true. Is mm-hmm. you know, there's kind of that wave that follows a certain number of years back, and we're kind of right at that point where you know all the guys who in the early '70s were riding Kawasaki triples are all aging out, and it's all of their kids who were riding you know trail '70s in the '70s. Are now the ones that are collecting and restoring things and want what they had at that Mm -hmm. time. So,
2: well, I grew up riding a nineteen seventy sapphire blue CT seventy. I would ride it all over town. My parents would leave, you know, for dinner or something like that. I'd be like ten years old, and I, as soon as their car like went around the corner, I'd open (laughs) up the garage, I'd park my Trail seventy, and I'd be out and I'd be gone for hours riding around on my Trail seventy, and you know, I was. We were small, you know, 10 years old, and I, I would have like two of my friends, we would sit three up on the banana seat, and we'd just ride <laughs> all around town. I remember one time, like, I got a flat tire on the on the the front tire went flat, and like, it didn't stop me from riding it. I, I'd keep on riding it, but it was death-defying, like turning, especially when I had like multiple people on it with a flat tire. I don't know how I survived those days, but yeah. And it made, so, you, um, made you a good rider. Yeah, okay. I don't know about that. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, like, you know, kind of excited to have another um, Trail 70 to rip around on. And, you know, one that's just like I had back when I was young. I'm sure that my kids will probably do the same thing on it and fire it up when I leave the house. And they'll ride it around town, too, I'm sure. But I'll pretend to be mad at them. But, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, also... um, do either of you have, like, a blast cabinet, like a Harbor Freight blast cabinet?
1: No? I, don't have, no? I don't have room for one.
2: So, I have this Harbor Freight blast cabinet. And, like, most things at Harbor Freight, they do okay, but mm-hmm. never that great. But, you know, with a lot of stuff, you can improve it and make it a lot better. So, the blast cabinets... um some people have figured out like where their flaws are and have like figured out how to make them work really good and um one of the issues with Harbor Freight blast cabinets is with the pickup the siphon tube that you know siphons your media up through it um is just kind of a poor design so you know somebody somewhere figured out how to make it work a lot better and and now there's like all sorts of you know videos on YouTube of how to do it so um you know doing all of these motorcycle restorations uh I really needed my blast cabinet to work a little bit better so I finally took some time took the whole siphon tube out of it and did the modifications to it to make it work better and then also I got one of those like cyclone dust collectors where you hook your shop back up to it and basically it um it sucks air through it and in the and the particles um kind of get slowed down and then they end up just falling into a bucket so you don't clog up your vacuum filter. Right. So I like improved the whole system where I added that, you know, dust separator in this pickup tube, and goodness does it work so much better than it did before. So now I'm like trying to find stuff to sandblast just because <laughs> it works so damn well. Uh such a big improvement.
1: You start taking um, your car apart. Any piece of chrome trim is going to be gone,
2: and then right, you're going to be powder
0: coating it different right, colors.
2: Right. Yeah. No, it's like remarkable how much better it works.
0: I need to send you some shock springs. Oh yeah, because I have I have two springs that I don't actually have a use for them right now, but they're identical except that one has a black yeah. spring and one has a white spring.
2: What color do you want them to be? Pro-
0: probably black. Yeah. But uh yeah, they need. I was just thinking, literally, like an hour and a half ago. Yeah. I need to disassemble these, take these off, have them sandblasted and powder coated.
2: And... Just flat rate them to me. Okay. And I'll, I'll powder coat them. I'll do that. Yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, do that. I've, uh, you know, cause I'm always powder coating stuff and sandblasting stuff. So it's so easy for me to just put it in with a batch. So, yeah, and now that my sandblaster works so damn well, I need more stuff to powder coat. <laughs> well, <blast. laughs>
0: it, it's it's interesting. It's one of those RFY shocks. Uh-huh. Back first experimenting with how I was going to do a mono shock on the Boltaco, which I ended up abandoning. I I was buying shocks right and left, every different configuration trying to figure out something and there was this one shock. It was just one. It was brand new, but there was only one. And it was really cheap on eBay, so I bid on it, thinking I was going to get outbid. So I I got it for, like, $34 or $36 or something like that. Oh, yeah. Well, then I had this one weird shock, and then just recently I was digging through my shock drawer, and I was like, you know, I should go find the other one. Well, I looked for, like, a week, and I could not find anything that matched, because evidently they've gone to a white spring. And I bought Uh this, like, five years ago. And now... They've got the exact same thing, but it's got a white spring. And I was like, okay, well, one came up pretty cheap on eBay and it was just a single one. I'm like, okay, I'm buying this one for cheap Mm -hmm. and I'll figure out how to make the springs match. So,
2: yeah, yeah, send both the springs to me so I can powder cut them and they'll be exactly the same.
0: Cool. The second one hasn't even arrived yet. It's coming from China. So it's like, you know, going to be three weeks before it arrives. So.
2: Yeah, well, hopefully not three months and <laughs> with my part. Yeah. So.
1: I mean, I ship stuff up into Canada a lot, so I kind of know that one. But it seems like anything that has to go to Australia for whatever reason, like we can get stuff from China in like a week.
2: yeah, like, Even like well, crazy think-
1: stuff from China a week. But you want something from Australia, and it's like a month minimum. Yeah,
2: Right, because I think that it ends up going to Asia first and then has to go through Asia and then to the United States. But like, and I don't know what it is about shipments from Australia to Asia. I think that's where the hangup is: is getting it from Australia to Asia mm. is the problem, apparently. So yeah, I don't know. I wish somebody would reproduce that part. I'm really surprised that it's not something that's reproduced. It seems like you can get every single thing for a Honda Z50 reproduced except that top plate. So I don't.
0: Know. Which is bizarre because I would think that's not like a wear item. It's not. I would think there'd be a million used ones out there.
2: I know. I know. I think people throw them away. I, I, I'm i not really sure. Because, you know, people will uh, upgrade to an aftermarket clamp, one of the billet ones. And I don't want one of the billet ones. Uh, but I think that's what happens. And I don't know. Maybe they just get thrown away or something.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So.
2: So have you ridden the
0: RZ, the Kenny Roberts?
2: Uh, I, Yeah. I wrote it around... A couple of days ago.
0: I know you said you'd taken a taken a short ride on it last time we talked.
2: Yeah, so I rode it around and um it's awesome. But it's so surprising how well the brakes work on it actually. Um Really? Yeah, surprisingly well. I like well the front brake lines Are they stock or Yeah, except I I uh, swapped out the brake lines for like braided ones, okay. but they have like the black um Kind of poly coating on them, so they yeah. kind of look like originals. But that made a big difference. There is absolutely no sponginess mm. at all. I mean, they are the most responsive brakes I think I've ever felt. <laughs> and I don't know how they work so good, but they mm. do. Um,
1: I, I I just have sorry, I, I just have memories of riding my uh, RZ five hundred on track, and you know, an eight or ten lap race, and I'd be like six, seven laps in, and going down the front straight. Um, was a long front straight and you had to go down uh like three years four years for for turn one but you'd be like you'd grab a handful of brakes and be like dude do, waiting waiting <laughs> waiting there they are you know yeah. you had to kind of guess on the on the fade or when they were going to grab or they're going to grab and then go away and it's yeah. like yes yeah. so that's why i was in a bit of a shock and just interesting memories of a couple like "Ooh, that was interesting kind of yeah. barely made that corner
2: Yeah, so the brakes work well. The motorcycle rides really well. It needs some tuning. Uh, I changed the main jets uh, once, but it's such a pain in the butt to, like, get the carburetors out of it. So um, I had enough time to ride it around, do a jetting change. It improved. I still need to do some more jetting to it. Um, So I haven't, like, had a chance to really enjoy it yet. But um, it's moving in the right direction. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I miss a two-stroke. Yeah, it sounds so cool, and the silencers—they're quiet enough where it's not obnoxious, but it really just has this nice crackle to it, and it like everybody's attention is drawn to it because it doesn't sound like anything that people normally hear, you know? Because like, when's the last time a two-stroke street bike has been produced, right? Like, right. So people are just kind of enthralled with it people that don't know uh two-stroke street bikes um which i totally get because it sounds so unusual compared to uh, what they're used to yeah sounds amazing <laughs> like uh, hold on, hold just
1: I, i'm I'm trying an experiment here really quick it may or may not work i've been playing with stuff on my mixing board and i'm trying to get so i could in like some zoom calls we could like have music playing and so mm-hmm. i i kind of figured it out how to put music into the uh uh Into here, but uh, let's see would it sound something like
2: I love to use jokes, <laughs> I really do, yeah, yeah, it just sounds so wicked, uh. uh
0: there is a, a video of an ASA racer that the guy is starting up in so- out front of his house. And I've used it for inspiration a number of times when I get discouraged about my project. It's <laughs> like just that, that, that beautiful two stroke sound, that crackle that it's just, we're going back into the, uh, best
2: sounding exhaust episode. <laughs> yeah. I really can't wait to build my other RZ, uh, you know, that's kind of more stripped down and it'll, you know, have a lot more displacement to it. That'll be a good sounding motorcycle.
1: Oh, Garrett, you might have been, you might have been right. I didn't realize it, I didn't see it, but it yeah, it's uh it might be it's a 3 392, so it's a little yeah. overbore probably.
2: Yeah, that's a 68 millimeter bore with a stock stroke. Another great YouTube video, a guy named
0: Razzie built a really nice gt 750 cafe racer uh it called threesome and it's just a great sounding bike um it's got chambers on it
1: not two-stroke but today as we record this motorcyclist put out a, a video bikes from the barber museum uh-huh. uh including the Briton, which oh, yeah. was a little out of tune <laughs> yeah. uh they had the I wanna say it was the one it's not the RC 166 because that's the six cylinder one, right? I think it was the one hundred sixty, which is the four cylinder like sixties GP bike. Sorry, I don't yeah. that, top of my head. That thing sounded pretty cool, but the one that really sounded wicked was the um uh MV Agusta 500 GP bike. Yeah, and that little and when it when it was sitting at idle and they were just revving it at idle, it literally sounded like a Ferrari V 12 like Formula One engine. Just had yeah. that crackle to it. They had a Matchless in there, which was like mm, okay, you know, big singles like eh, not real exciting. And yeah. then they had um the turbine bike, the that yeah, Y2K the turbine bike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they had that in there. It was just they were putting around. For the most part, especially in corners. I'm like, oh, I bet you those are some dry rotted tires, (laughs) you know, being extra careful. But they get to a straight and they'd open them up a little bit. So it was cool. And yeah, yeah, that Honda and that MV especially, man. Oh, it sounded so good.
2: Yeah, I have a 650cc twin two-stroke engine. And, um, I really want to mount it on a stand cause I have the pipes, carburetors and everything. I just want to mount it on a stand so I can fire it up every once in a while. I think that'd be pretty fun. <laughs> it is like insanely loud. Um, the last time it ran, we had a sound meter and like it idle, it was maxing out the decibel. <laughs> it, it, but it was like unsilenced exhaust pipes cause they're race pipes. But, um, it's just un ungodly loud. But it, it's also a methanol motor and it's like 16 oh. to one compression. And so <laughs> yeah, it just sounds wicked. Makes, wicked. makes, makes four horsepower until it makes like 80. <laughs> well, it's such a large displacement, and a huge stroke and with so much compression, it has unreal torque. Mm. Like there is almost no power band. It's like, it's a lot like a, a four stroke. Power band it's like very linear um the torque that it makes is actually really insane so
1: so is that like for like a sand quad or something
2: uh that was yeah that was for a sand drag quad it did uh 390s uh, in the 100 yards so 3.9 seconds at about 90 miles an hour at 100 yards 100 yards
0: going 90 miles an hour yeah Uh, Yeah. that'll get your attention sand
2: also yeah yeah yeah, right
0: yeah Well, yeah, you put slicks
1: on it on asphalt, you just end up on your head. Yes. <laughs> Unless you had some really big wheelie bars. Right. Oh, Pete, how's your progress?
0: Uh, my progress has actually been really good. Which one do you want to hear about first? The taco or the irimaki? Irimaki. Okay. This has been a surprisingly straightforward, for, for what I thought was a really audacious idea. Uh, and starting from a, nothing but a frame and swing arm, uh, it's actually come along really, I wouldn't say easily, but there hasn't been anything that, you know, you get into something, and you go, Oh, that doesn't work. Oh, this is going to take more effort than I thought. Oh, uh, none of that unexpected stuff has happened yet. And when I, when I either get frustrated or I'm dead in the water on the bull taco, I just go play with this to kind of clear my head. And I think last time, did I tell you guys that I, I found a GS500 steering head bolted up with no modifications? Yeah. It's it, things like that have just worked really weird like this. Like, oh, here's a steering head that I can just bolt up. Yep. This 1990s Japanese steering head bolts onto this 1970 Italian frame. Yeah. That's wow. Cool. Okay. And then it was like, oh, well, I wonder how well this will work with the front wheel. Oh. All these spacers are exactly the right width all of a sudden to just go in with no modifications. Oh, this is cool. Right now I am playing around with getting the, uh, getting the engine situated and I've just been making up some wooden mockups of engine plates just to kind of figure out where things need to go. I just kind of wagged it. As far as engine placement, Mm -hmm. I had told you I had gotten an original half a crankcase, so I could figure out where the original countershaft sprocket was on the original engine. The Ducati engine normally has the swing arm bolted to the back of the crankcases. It actually passes through the engine, and the rear motor mount is the swing arm pivot. And I can't do that on this one. And I was like, oh, this is going to end up being way far forward. Originally, I was going to mount it, and then I realized that the clutch cover's so wide that I was going to have to raise it up a couple inches from where I was originally going to place it. So I kind of went like, well, okay, this is as low and as far back as I can comfortably get it without hacking onto the frame, which I don't want to do. I made up some templates, and I compared them. I am within 12 millimeters of where the sprocket would have been on the original engine is where the mm-hmm. countershaft center line is now. Yeah. That works fine. It's just wide enough that everything will fit in. I get, there's a long way to go, but, um, I'm kind of encouraged. And along the way, I, I bought a rear fender and taillight was cheap on eBay. So I bought that and bolted it up and I got some cheap, uh, RFY shocks because I, I, I looked all over the place and the original shocks weren't good in 1973. You know, they were oversprung and underdamped when they were new. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not going to get old, crappy, used Harley sprint shocks. So I was looking around, looking around, and it was either, you know, $400 for something nice or they were just reproductions of crappy old shock. Mm-hmm. So I thought, you know what? Nobody's going to get on a 1970s harley 350 and say oh these chinese shocks are so much worse than the original so i was like yeah okay i'll get that <laughs> but i did get the ones that don't have the telltale fake olens looking reservoir on it i got non-reservoir shocks so they they kind of look like the originals they're they're painted springs instead of chrome but they're they're close that's coming along uh as far as the boltaco goes on the last episode i told you that i had finished the engine mounts I was able to bolt in the engine and really do some specific measurements of exactly where things needed to line up. And I found out doing some little laser measurements that, uh, the rear sprocket on the rear wheel, the inside surface was perfectly in line with the outside of the countershaft sprocket. So I had to bring it, the, the rear in exactly the width of one 520 sprocket, which is like 0.277 inches. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, okay, well, I'll just put the Cush drive carrier that the sprocket goes on. I'll put that in a lathe and I'll just take a 0.277 inches off it. Well, it's only like three and a half or four millimeters thick. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> That's not going to work. So I had to get creative and I realized that what I needed to do, and I think I posted this on our Facebook page, uh, was to, find something that was just slightly less than the diameter of the wall behind it, you know, because it steps up to much bigger behind it. And I found out that uh, like a late 90s, early 2000s Ducati sprocket had six bolt holes and six spokes, just like the original GS450, because I'm using a GS450T rear wheel. So what I did was I cut, the outer ring off the old and it's a really thick 530 sprocket was what they had on there originally. And I just cut it down so that it was kind of a spider and got all that arranged and it worked. And I was actually very pleased that I was able to Accurately drill six holes. Mm-hmm. I kind of made just a little ghetto jig with my dr- drill press and managed to accurately drill all six holes.
1: Yeah, see, and-, and I thought, seeing here, I thought you were buying a Dylan ten fifty. It looks, it looks like the Dylan ten fifty reloading press that, that where the oh. <laughs> cartridges. Sorry, <laughs> very specifically. <thing. laughs> so. uh-huh.
0: Anyhow, so I now had the chain, and I started thinking about the foot pegs. I had a while back purchased a set YZF600R, the kind of sort of sport bike version that Yamaha had. And it's got really nice aluminum foot pegs on it. I took a couple different runs at how to attach them. And I really wasn't happy with any of them that I had come up with. And one of the problems also that I had was I was going to have problems with the Kickstarter hitting it. So I was thinking through it. And I, one of the problems I've had with this is early on, when I first started working on this eight and a half, nine years ago, I was taking the attitude of, I'm not going to do any machining. I'm not going to do any welding. <laughs> so I came up with this really jinky way of mounting the swing arm pivot on one side. Because originally... The Boltaco had 14 millimeter holes for a 14 millimeter swing arm pivot mm-hmm. and the Yamaha was only 12. Well, on one side, I opened it up to 15 and came up with this step down swing arm pivot that was wider on one side. So I could I could just ream that one out. But on the left side, I had a 12 millimeter axle and a 14 millimeter hole. So I just took this little escutcheon plate and with like six millimeter bolts just drilled through and bolted it on and made sure that it was centered. And it, it always had about bothered me because it was just really obviously jinky. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, this is my opportunity to really redo this right. So I went ahead and I got a bronze bushing and I made a re- step reducer bushing that fits in there. Then, fits inside a larger spacer that when I bolted on, I've I've actually got it positively located in the frame without Mm -hmm. some little screws keeping it in place. And then I found these metal triangular plates on eBay, 10 of them for 10 bucks plus shipping. It ended up being like $16 for 10 of these. And I had six millimeter Spacers on either side of my engine mount carrier. So I needed something that was exactly 6mm. Mill- well, these are 6 millimeter powder-coated, nice little things that had nice symmetrical holes already drilled in them and stuff. So I have mounted up these metal plates that I need to actually mount the foot pegs to these. So they're going to sit slightly behind the frame tubes yeah. and I can actually bolt these to the frame nice and solidly because I drilled the holes in these 12 millimeters on one side, 15 on the other. So these will also help hold the swing arm pivot in position. Nice. So I've really got something much more solid than I had. Oh yeah. Yeah. So the other thing I needed to do was modify the Kickstarter. So I went looking around and I got an ATC 250R Honda Kickstarter which normally is on the right-hand side, but kicks forward. Well, if you turn that around, it works properly as a conventional Kickstarter on the left-hand side. Yeah. And the problem with the Boltaco Kickstarter is it's just a rod that goes straight up and has a little flip. The foot pedal part of it just flips out, but it's really close to the side of the bike. This one comes out at about a 45-degree angle, so it points forward when it's flipped in. But when you flip it out, it's way out to the side of the bike, so it's going to clear... The foot peg and the shifter and all that kind of stuff. And and that one, uh, the shaft size is that the little spline shaft that needs to go on is a totally different size. But I cut that off, and I'm going to drill it out, and I'm going to take my old crappy Boltaco kickstart arm, which is perfectly straight, put that in the lathe, turn that down so that that – you know, make a shaft that will go through the center of that, and then – Weld it up on the top and the bottom and, and that should be good. So (laughs) it's, it's going to be my first real welding project on this that I'm going to do myself and not take to Jerry down and down at the welding shop. So
2: yeah, you bought a welder, didn't you? Like a while back. Yeah. I've got
0: a, I've got a really nice, uh, what is it? The Vulcan
2: 165
0: TIG from, you know, the, the nice Harbor Freight. Yep. And I've used it for stuff. I haven't used it on the bikes at all. Mm-hmm. mainly cuz I didn't want anything crappy. Yeah. <laughs> but this is this is going to be not something that is going to be stressed while you're riding it. Right. If it, if my welds are crappy and it breaks, I will not be moving when it breaks. I'm <laughs> yeah, going to be starting right. it. So I was like, right. okay, I'm willing to take a chance on this one. Yeah. So good point.
1: <laughs> and then from there you can always have you can always try and bump start it, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. So but uh I I've gone back and forth on body work. I really don't want to have to try and restore this crappy tank on it, but I finally resigned myself to, I'm not spending more money for something else. I got a big bag of washing soda. I got a big tub so that I can do electrolysis and I can put the tank in there and try to get all the rust off of it. Mm-hmm. And really I, what I've seen is it's surface rust. There's a couple places where it's definitely going to need to get soldered or brazed or welded because it's it's got some punctures in it. But overall, it's not as in bad a shape as I thought it was. So. Yeah, cool.
1: cool. Good deal. Um, I think the last time we were on, I, I don't remember, had I or had I not lapped the valves for my for, in the head. I think for you my, had my... got
2: the compound, but you hadn't lapped it yet.
1: Yeah, so that that's about all the progress I've made. It was like one day it wasn't too bad out, so I went out to the garage and spent, I don't know, however long I spent out there, 45 minutes probably he was optimistic, but yeah, so I went and lapped all the valves and it definitely looks a lot better, mm-hmm. um, and started, like, making sure I still had everything and got to start reassembling the head a little bit, and then uh, uh, yeah, the, the pistons are all cleaned up. So, um, I've got the rings and everything. So I literally just need to start. I, once I assemble the head, I can literally start slapping it all back together. So okay. I, I don't know. Depending on how the weekend goes, maybe I'll be ambitious because I don't really have a whole lot going on this weekend. So, um, yeah, the most ambitious thing I've done since we last, uh, were on is I made, I made, uh, uh, I, two different gallons of mead. So, yeah. So, yeah, but I really I really do need to get that finished. It's a time where all right, I can at least should have it up and running and whether or not I can go out and ride it, it's a whole nother issue, but um but yeah, it's got to get it just got to get done so I can get it just be done with the thing at this point. Of course I've been saying that for how long?
2: <laughs> how 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 many years have we been doing this podcast? <laughs> It'll be nice when it's all.
1: Yeah. Well, it's it's run intermittently when we first started. It just never ran right. And then I finally, it was about a year and a half ago, I think, or a year ago, I got I finally just got mad at it and said, all right, I'm just ripping this whole thing apart. So we're all <laughs> half apart. So after the fifth time of rebuilding the carbs and it still didn't run right. Yeah. And it turned
0: out that that was the right move.
1: Yeah. Since it was missing half the compression <laughs> one cylinder. So, yeah. <laughs> Um but yeah though I, I did I did uh hone the cylinders and that that really came out nice with just the the Dingleberry hone you yeah. know that and a little ATF fluid and that took not even 5 minutes and it cleaned up really nice and it's got some nice um cross hatching and I think I shared the pictures somewhere yeah. That, yeah, so yes. yeah um so yeah that's um that's where it stands so it's supposed to be 70 tomorrow and 70 on Sunday so I really don't have too much of an excuse not to go out in the garage and do something. Yeah.
0: I had I had a a slight momentary distraction from the Aramaki plans. Uh I had a neighbor down the street out in front of their house was a Polaris trailblazer Trail Blazer something like a 20-year-old trail-, trail boss. Tra- yeah. Trail boss 250. Polaris, which is a CVT with an air cooled 250 single. Yeah. And I've always had an inkling to try a CVT motorcycle. Yeah. Well, this Aramaki frame, since it's designed for a, for a horizontal mm-hmm. single, when you look at it, it's got a really, really long engine bay. The engine cavity is like really long. Mm-hmm. It's about the only thing I could think of that you could reasonably fit. <laughs> That engine with a CVT on it, oh, I can make a 250 single CVT out of it. And I was like, no, because it was like 700 bucks for it, and it ran. And I was like, well, that's kind of a cool idea. And I was like, no, you got one cool idea that's working well. Don't change horses in the middle of the stream, and you have no idea. Because, like, right now, there's so many things in that, like, the chain, I think, is going to be almost perfect alignment with the engine and the counter sprocket's right where I needed to be. And everything's working out so well with that. I'm like, okay, that's a plan for way down the line. When these two bikes are gone yeah. and you have nothing else to do, maybe you do something like that. Yeah. But if I was going if, to, if I was going to do a little two stroke, I'd probably want to do a blaster bike.
2: Yeah. Anyway, so a blaster would be cool there. So it never was in the U S but there is, what the Yamaha Blaster, two hundred CC single two stroke. Um, there exists a water cooled version of it, but it never came to the U.S. But I always thought it would be kind of fun to have one.
0: Yeah, it was like the DT two fifty something, or uh, it would have been a two hundred or
2: DT two hundred. That's right. Yeah, but you know, it's kind of the the Blaster motor, um. It's it's nice when you have an air cool thing because you don't have to deal with radiators and all that. And those blasters have so much cooling, thin area that mm-hmm. they never really seem to get hot. That would be a good engine for a project. You're giving me some inspiration.
0: There was a guy that took an XS500 frame and put a blaster motor in it. Mm-hmm. He just had an extra frame sitting around. Uh, the the frame's too big for the motor, Yeah. but I kind of went, that's a cool idea. It really is. And it's such a neat little, simple, mm. fun two-stroke engine. Mm-hmm. A- and it's one of the few ATVs that doesn't have reverse. So it's literally just a little dirt bike engine. Yep.
2: Yeah, that would be really cool.
1: Make that into like a, I don't know, little flat track kind of looking street track, street tracker kind of bike. That would be fun
2: yeah and the other thing is I'm pretty sure they have oil injection on them too, so it makes it a little yeah. more practical, yeah if you're actually gonna you know write it and use it. that's pretty cool
0: so yeah i could i could I could come up with neat ideas of things I'd like to do all day long, but <laughs> know. That, you know it takes a whole lot less time and resources to come up with the idea than it does to actually see one through and finish that's
2: it for sure I haven't yeah. figured that out completely. <laughs> We keep accumulating projects.
1: Yeah, I, I I swore off a while ago. It's like one project at a time. Like it was when I think I think not that I hadn't already gone there already, but back when in the uh, Camden Tub podcast days, when Brad Brunel's on, like, oh, I've got this other project, and he's got literally has nine projects. Yeah. I'm like, dude, how about finishing one before you you start another one? But is it because it's, cause it's well, always
0: the, how about? start one before you yeah pick up another one right um, it's, but it, it's it's, it's always the or the
1: cool new thing that you have this brilliant idea because you saw this like oh i gotta do this and then you know because it's happens, always easier
2: what happens with me is um i'll be waiting for a part and so i'll have like a week and i'm like well you know i have some time i might as well just start on this other one and so i'll have like a bunch of projects going and i get really overwhelmed but it's like you know you're always waiting for something, and then you you don't want to just be at a standstill, so you start something else. Yep. Yeah.
0: Speaking of which, your you, where where's your uh, your custom framed RD slash uh, RZ in your whole scheme of things?
2: Um, that one is probably going to be a little ways down the line. That one's going to require a lot of fabrication and thought and have a bunch of other projects that require you know they're more of just like a restoration and they don't really require as much thinking mm-hmm. and i kind of gravitate towards doing those ones first but also that rd is just so unique and it really needs to be on the road so I, i'm not entirely sure yet I, that's the one that that I
0: I personally get excited that I, I'm like, come on, finish it. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, it is very cool. It is the frame, especially. Um, somebody put a lot of work into that frame. You know, it'll just be like a really cool, like simple, Everything just really clean and simple. And um, it'll be a fun motorcycle, but it's going to be kind of a complex build to do it right.
0: <laughs>
2: cool. It'll it'll come yeah i really want my water (laughs) buffalo i really want to do that oh i forgot i forgot about that because that one is just a restoration and that's i would would really love to like actually tour it like do some long rides with it i think it'd be a really fun touring bike
1: which reminds me uh because i wrote it down and then of course i'm not looking at it pete do we have a smack dab update is it a go or no go
0: uh, I'm glad you said something. Uh, it is up in the air. I talked to the Smith center convention and visitors bureau yesterday, and they're going to have some discussions with their County health nurse. Who's kind of the official decision maker on this. And I have reached out and rugby, North Dakota doesn't have a convention or visitors bureau director right now, so I've been passed around to several people who are all like, I don't know, or no, that person's not answering their phone. So it what I'm thinking we may do is not cancel it completely, but not have the morning meeting. Mm -hmm. And you need to pre-register because nobody's going to be there to take your registration in the morning and basically say, everybody do this on your own. Either text me a picture in the morning or post it to Facebook And at the end of the day, get a receipt from one of the businesses in rugby or send me a picture at the monument up there. Have some photographic evidence of it. Instead of meeting in the morning, anybody can go do it. And Mm -hmm. But I don't know. In Smith Center, their motels are just now reopening. And the high school graduation was postponed Mm. to the Sunday of that weekend. So... There are people going to be staying in the motels there for that as well. And I'm not sure if having people from all over the Midwest come to your town is a great thing for them. And they're like, well, we don't know. We'd really like the economic benefit. But, yeah, we don't know. We think we're past the peak, but we don't know. And we're going to talk. It's all up near. I (laughs) think what it's probably going to be is a it's all on your own. There's no sign up in the morning. For this year only, it's going to be a just, if you want to ride and you've already signed up, go ahead and do it and provide me from photographic evidence that proves that you were there that day in both the locations when it was light out. I'll put your name on the website and if you want a patch, you can buy a patch and just leave it at that. I don't think Sarah and I are going to do the ride, mainly because it's... A night in Smith Center, a night in rugby, Mm -hmm. and then at least one other night somewhere on the way back. I've known enough people who have been, including my sister, have been very, very seriously ill with this that I'm still floored by the people who think it's a hoax because I personally know people who were, like, scary, sick Mm -hmm. family members dying from it kind of thing. And Garrett's seen
1: it on the front line, so. Oh, yeah, lots of them.
0: Uh, Anyway, um I'm thinking that's what's going to happen, but it's still all up in the air. Some official description of exactly how it's going to go down or not go down is going to be out by June 1st. And anybody who's interested can go to SmackDab281.org or the Facebook SmackDab group. Oh, speaking of Facebook, we got a great message from uh, Sean, a listener who said he's working his way through our back catalog. And, uh... Complimented the podcast, and that is always really great to hear because sometimes, especially the past two months, it's been very interesting. And I've heard this from other people with other podcasts. Podcast listenership has just been in the toilet the last two months. Is
1: no one st- listening in their drive commutes?
0: They're not in, on their drive, yeah. and they're stuck at home with their family. Nobody sits and listens to a podcast with the whole family around. So it's either when you're at work in your cubicle, you put your headphones in and you listen, or you listen in your car, or you listen on a long drive. And people haven't been doing that. Yeah. So if you look at our daily download numbers, it's been really low. So I appreciate somebody saying that they're listening and enjoying it. And uh, he said he's looking for a Vulcan S, mm-hmm. which isn't a bad isn't a bad choice if you want kind of a cruisery mm-hmm. thing that's not a dog. Right. As we've said before, I'm never thrilled about the forward pegs. Right, but at least that one you can adjust them back some, mm-hmm. and ergonomics aren't bad on it. So, yeah. yep. so good luck to Sean. He may be listening to this six months from now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's probably gonna have one by then. Yeah, if hopefully. if if he's working his way and he's 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 on episode 20 right now, it's gonna be wild. So. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. Anyways, that's uh, I think that's a good place to to wrap
2: it up.
0: By okay. uh, gotta... well, thanks a lot, guys, and hopefully I'll have some more updates for you next month. So, uh, Garrett, you think the uh, Z50 done next month?
2: Oh, yeah. Undoubtedly. Cool. Yeah. Cool. And will your son have wrecked it by then? Undoubtedly, yes. (laughs) 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 It'll be done, and it'll already have its first massive dent in the gas tank. I'll have to record the first ride because, well, for, you know, numerous reasons. But also, you know, it's, I think... People are going to be pretty critical of, you know, spending so much time restoring AZ-50 just to let a five-year-old destroy it. But that's how it's going to be. (laughs) Cool. Yeah, awesome. All right.
0: Okay, gentlemen. Talk to you next month. Okay. (laughs) Bye-bye.